Okay, and now for our second message today will be brought to us by Barnabas Grayson entitled <clears throat> The Pressure Ahead. Well, good afternoon, everyone. The pressure ahead. Are there difficult times ahead? Why must there be difficult times in our life? And most of all, how can we get through the difficult times that are ahead, the pressures that are ahead? In the book of John, chapter 16 and verse 33, it says to us, and this is Christ speaking, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. Tribulation, uh, the Greek word, uh, just means pressure. You're going to have pressure. And it means difficulties in this world. But then he says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We are most blessed to be living in a a nation where there is no religious persecution or religious turmoil going on as in past times. We're still able to come together freely to uh, speak freely about our faith. And we are, for the most part, free of worry that someone's not going to knock on our door late at night and drag us from the comforts of our home to crucify us because we believe in Jesus Christ and have faith in God. In history, there were uh, a group called the Waldenses. And these were the first of the people in Europe to have a translation of the Holy Bible. They declared the Church of Rome to be the apostate Babylon. And they resisted her, corrup her corruption, denying the supremacy of Rome, rejecting image worship, and they kept the true Sabbath. And many were martyred for their faith, for their belief in those things, for their standing up for those truths. And so they were martyred. They were killed. They were persecuted. They were hunted down. But some did find hiding places in those difficult times. And God provided for the faith to continue. And for more than a thousand years, Christians were persecuted. Pope Innocent VIII, which is, you know, in a way kind of a ironic in that he's called Pope Innocent, but around 1487 he ordered uh, these Christians to be crushed as venomous serpents. Even in the Apostle Paul's time, followers of Christ were persecuted, they were arrested, they were beaten, and some were killed. Now, we do know, however, that in some parts of the world, even today, that there is uh, that concern for Christians who are of that faith. Because in Nigeria, hundreds have been killed by a is, uh, radical Islamic sect, and among them, some professing Christians. And this violence by a man named Boko Haram has started to target Christians 
to feed tensions between the uh, southern part, which is uh, Christians, and the northern part, which is Muslim, in order to, um, to implement uh, Islamic law. His name, Boko Haram, means Western education is sacrilege. But in comparison to other parts of the world where Christianity is in the minority, we're most blessed in many ways to live in a Christian nation. So we have reason to give many thanks for our being here among brethren who are of the same mind and uh, we, have the, we have the comforts and safety of, uh, of God watching over us. But we live in a place and in a time where it is relatively easy to be a Christian. And it's not that uh, a Christian doesn't have his or her personal difficulties or trials that they have to overcome. Some are facing difficult pressures even at this time as, as, we, as we speak. We also know that a great time of pressure is going to come upon all the world. There is going to come a time of national turmoil when Christianity, when all people are ripe for persecution, a time of betrayal, even from among family members and from among brethren, because in that time it will be a time of hatred where the love of many will have waxed cold. There will be lawlessness and a time when he who kills you will think that he does God a service. And when we read about those things, and you can read about those things over in Matthew chapter 24, and I don't intend to speak about these bad things that may or may not happen in our lifetime. And there's really no need to delve into the politics of our nation or its economic crisis or its international relationships, its social climate and so on. And, you know, people, there are people who watch the news who can, uh, who can, we can make up our own mind on where it all is leading and how it will affect us and bring on some of these difficulties that we read about. In the book of 1 Peter, chapter 4, now we know that, uh, as mentioned earlier, that, there, that perilous times will come. But in verse 12 of chapter 4, 1 Peter, it says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial that, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. So who is Peter talking to in this verse? If we go back to uh, chapter 1 of 1 Peter there, chapter 1 of 1 Peter, we see that it is addressed to the strangers scattered abroad. In verse 1, Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and, and uh, Bithynia. Elect, elect according to the knowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So this is not just uh, to Peter's uh, family, to his nation, to his brethren in that time in the diaspora, but to the elect in Jesus Christ who, who come across these very words that we are reading today. But we see that the aim of this epistle of Peter 
is to confirm the doctrines that the readers had already been taught in the Old Testament, but now in his mercy calls them again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter has been called the apostle of hope because he wrote words of comfort and he wrote words of encouragement that would that was, is meant to sustain us in times of difficulty and in the, uh, with the lively hope that will sustain us in those difficult times to come. He was perhaps, or he was the most prominent disciple during Jesus' lifetime. The first 12 uh, chapters of Acts are, are devoted to his ministry. Paul mentions him in, uh, in the book of Galatians. But this letter that we see here is on the occasion of persecution that was going on in that area. And in it, he seeks to encourage and he seeks to prepare the readers for difficult times that are ahead. As yet, there were really no widespread persecutions of Christians until there came a brutal one under Decius around AD 249. Now, one of the worst persecutions the early believers of early believers took place in the second century in Bithynia, which he mentions uh, the name. In a letter from, sent from Pliny, who was the governor of Bithynia, to the Roman emperor Trajan in A.D. 112, th this official explained that he had been executing people who confessed that they were Christians. And Trajan's reply was one of approval. But he also allowed it that if Christians would just renounce their faith and worship Roman gods, that they could go free. So in reading 1 Peter, we can see that he used Jesus' own sufferings as the cornerstone of his exhortation for us to handle the difficult times that are ahead. And so by looking to Jesus, one will find courage and they will find confidence to face those difficult times. Back to 1 Peter chapter 4 and in verse 13. 1 Peter 4 verse 13. Peter's words to us, but rejoice. Because there was persecution, it wasn't as severe as it was going to be, but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. You have to look beyond the difficult times. You have to look beyond whatever persecution that is ongoing in order to really find this joy uh, or this rejoicing. In verse 14, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. So we see that one of the concerns of Peter was that Christians should suffer as Christians, not as you know a lawbreaker, not as the world was uh, uh, in whatever the world, the condition of the world was at that time among people. But it's right to be, per, be persecuted for doing the right thing, but not the wrong thing. And so he says, if any man suffer 
Let him suffer as a Christian and let him not be ashamed. And the reason is because, you know, you're suffering for doing what is right. This word Christian is found in the New Testament here and also in the book of Acts. And it refers to those who believe in and follow Jesus Christ and his teachings. So, you know, we ask ourselves, are we a Christian? Well, you know, like earlier, we've realized that it is a truth that sets us free. And that the, the scriptures that we read, we read about are those things that can save our souls. That can save our flesh. That can lead us into eternal life. So this letter that uh, Peter wrote was probably from Babylon, which is sometimes a code word for Rome. So this letter was actually written from Rome, and that's where tradition says that he was, he was crucified. But why must these difficult times that are ahead, why must difficult times even now happen? Verse 17 of 1 Peter 4 for the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. In verse 17, we see that judgment must begin at the house of God. And as we heard earlier in 1 Timothy, it is the church, the people, the called out of the living God. The term judgment is from the Greek word krima, and it means a decision. And that word comes from the Greek word krino, which means to distinguish or to decide. And it implies a trying that begins at the house or the oikos or a dwelling of God a house is you know a house is a dwelling place for a family and in particular here it is the family of God so it begins first at us in whom the spirit of God dwells so the trials that are ahead will present a time of decision a time our spiritual strength and our outlook is going to be tested God concerns himself with the family he has called and their obedience to him, especially when times get rough. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? How will those who are without God face those difficult times ahead? And what shall be the end of them who obey not the gospel of God? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him as in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. That time of suffering, that time of difficulty, that time of pressure that is to come, whether it is you know, happening now or yet future, is going to be allowed to come upon the whole world on both the believer and non-believer. But those who have God's spirit are going to have an advantage. And in their suffering, the key will be to commit the keeping of their souls to God in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. In the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 7, 
This is written to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. Write, these things says he that is holy, he that is true, he that has the key of David, he that opens and no man shuts and shuts and no man opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door and no man can shut it for you have a little strength. You have little strength but have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. As mentioned earlier, you know, there are false prophets. There are people who claim that they are, are God sent, but they are not. In verse 10, because you have kept the word of my patience, I also will keep you from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. So this is where we look. This is how, uh, where we uh, get our hope in the promises that God has made to face those difficult times that are ahead. Verse 11 says, Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which you have and that no man take your crown. Him that overcomes will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. You know, we may be proud of our names right now. We may like the sound of our name right now, but... When you look at it in a kind of a realistic view, you realize that that name, that that name we have is associated with a lot of other past sins, a lot of guilt. And so when this new name comes upon us, it will be for a new creature such as we are uh, becoming now. But ahead are difficult times. Even in our lives today, we face trials, we face temptations. And some are facing more difficult times than what we may be facing today. So Peter not only forewarns us, he gives us words of encouragement. He counsels us. First um, Peter 1, again, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to to his abundant mercy has begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. According to his abundant mercy. You know, if we look back up on the things that we have done, we realize that, you know, it's because of God's mercy, because of his grace, that we are able to come out of the condemnation that, uh, that it would be expected of any sinner. There's a lot of mercy if we take these words that we look at and apply them to our life and how we have been graciously forgiven. And there is for us, as we read in Revelation, an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled. So that inheritance, that new name and all that is going to be given at that time, the inheritance is incorruptible and undefiled. It's not going to fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. 
The last time, sometimes we think, well, it's this era of time, it's uh, 20th century, maybe 21st century. But this last time is, applies to us as we live today. Because we only have so much time to live. It's speaking of us today. We might live out our uh, lives to a good old age, but then again, we could end up in an accident or whatever. So we can't take up these things for granted. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. There are so many things going on in people's lives today that they're just here and there. If it's not one thing, it's another. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So these difficult times that come upon us are turned into worthwhile things, uh, into gold, that, uh, more precious than gold. Whom having not seen, you love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice, rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Let's skip down to verse 13. It says, Wherefore, gird up your loins, the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. But as he which has called you is holy, be ye holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You know, as we look toward the uh, Holy Day seasons coming, the Passover, the Days of Unleavened Bread, we become more and more aware of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for each and every one of us personally. The precious blood of Jesus Christ, verily foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and, my, and hope might be in God. <clears throat> Back to Second Peter. Verse 1. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If so be, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, you also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. You are a chosen generation, the verse 9, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, 
but now have obtained mercy. I'll skip some of the rest of these passages and go on to Romans chapter 8. Now, how are we the house of God? How are we the family of God, and how do we know? In Romans 8, verse 11, If the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwells in you. So God's Spirit in us will provide the spark of eternal life when the time comes. And, you know, that's a mystery of how that miracle can occur. But in the blink of an eye, we will pass from death to life. Like, you know, like the snap of a finger. You know, we, we pass from death to life. Ever how many centuries or years go by. That is our hope. And it is a sure promise. And if we have that aim in our mind, the difficult times of today, and difficult times that may come uh, tomorrow or ahead, whatever comes, uh, that will help us through. Verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, but uh, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. So Peter's, uh, telling, uh, Romans is telling us that we have a duty to walk after the Spirit in order to overcome evil with good. Verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We know that the Spirit of God is given upon repentance and baptism and the laying on of hands. Repentance is a personal thing before God. Baptism is, is like a public burial of the old self uh, and symbolic of the washing away of sins. And then uh, by the laying on of hands to show God's acceptance and, and the planting of the Holy Spirit. Now, conversion does not stop there. It's all about being led by the Spirit. Because verse 14, as it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You know, it is possible to quit being led. It is possible to not want to be led. It is possible to, you know, fall away. But as long as you're led by the Spirit of God, you are the sons of God. And you will know that when you are following Christ or when you're not following Him. Verse 15, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We become no longer slaves to sin because, you know, sin brings corruption and death, and there is a reason to fear. And for some of the people then, just failing to do the works of the law, like circumcision, uh, they felt that they, that they would be condemned. Now, we may be chastened by God at times, as, you know, as any parent will do, but through faith in the saving blood of Christ, we will not be condemned, for we are God's children, but yet, uh, we, uh, but yet we're to be born. So, sometimes the difficult times come upon us, and we think, well, you know, God is mad at us, 
Are we just, are we, we just can't get over our sinful self? We just look for the correction. We look, look for the truth of God in all of these happenings. Verse 16, the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So the Holy Spirit gives us an awareness of its presence in our thoughts, like, you know, kind of like a, a gut feeling that you might have about things. The Spirit, it, it seeks to lead us into truth. And, you know, life's experiences make many things a little bit more clearer to us. Verse 17, and if children were heirs of God, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Let's drop down to verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. So, you know, everyone is subject to difficulties. They're subject to uh, troubles, these trials, these pressures that we have in life. Verse 26, likewise the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because it makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And this promise that we are familiar with in verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are uh, the called according to his purpose. And in verse 31, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And drop down to verse uh, 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, all of these things that could uh, you know, be difficulties in our life, troubles in our life, pressures in our life, everything shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now. When we think of difficult times, it is uh, thought of as, you know, being trials, and, and, and trials they are. And, you know, we ask, well, why, why me? Why trials? Why difficult times in my life? And even now, some of you are undergoing various tribulations. But as Christ said, in this world, you shall have tribulation. You know, that word means pressure. Difficult times uh, will come. And we also know that to come is great pressure or great tribulation for then shall be great tribulation such as never was to this time nor ever shall be so these can be difficult to bear we see them as bad things and and they are but difficult times can measure they can strengthen our faith in God they can reveal weaknesses that we might need to overcome and they can bring uh, and trials can bring us closer to God and they can have an unseen purpose that uh, provides a blessing later 
as a measure of strength and faith in Proverbs 24.10, it says that if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. But, you know, none of us want to have those kind of tests, those kind of uh, difficulties or challenges or pressures in our life. I know that I don't, but sometimes it just happens. It takes us off guard, and it becomes very personal to us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we see that in this book there were those who were overthrown in the wilderness and whom God was not pleased. And verse 11 says... Now all these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. And the caution, verse 12, Wherefore, let him that thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. We need to be on our guard at all times, and that through prayer and uh, doing the will of God and putting on the armor of God. Verse 13, there has no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Wherefore, verse 14, wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Idolatry is the, are those things that are displeasing to God. You might ask, well, exactly what is idolatry? How can it be displeasing? Simply put, I, uh, I, idolatry is image worship. It's, it can be either literal or figuratively. And you might be uh, an idolater if you have a giant picture of some famous person that you look up to. It's what one admires more than God. It's what one devotes an inordinate amount of time to to more than the things of God. And the Spirit of God can make us aware if we are committing idolatry, if, you know, if we don't quench how the Spirit is trying to lead us. Trials can also reveal weaknesses. They can reveal faults. We may be reminded of Job's suffering and his loss and his overcoming. And we can see how you know, we're not to think so highly of ourselves that we become self-righteous. James chapter 1 in verse 12. Blessed is a man that endures temptation. For when he's tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. But let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Now, James uh, chapter 4, verse 1. From whence come wars and fighting among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members? You lust and have not, you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. You adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. That's how difficult things happen. 
we lust, and then uh, we're enticed. And that's how, you know, pressure is put upon us because, you know, weakness is the weakest point. It's going to break. The Word of God tells us that we should avoid those things. Skip some more of these verses here and uh, down to verse 7 it says to submit yourselves therefore to God resist the devil resist the devil and he will flee from you so that's how to from now on avoid troubles of our own making and as I mentioned earlier trials can bring you closer to God we learn to trust in him you know Jonah resisted the call to preach and warn the city of Nineveh and consequently he uh, was swallowed up by some great fish but he learned the miracle and the saving power of God and then there was Samson who at the end after he lost his strength and after he lost his eyesight came to realize the forgiveness of God and that he is always there to fulfill the purpose that he called you to and there are other examples Trials can have unseen uh, purposes with blessings. You know, in Genesis 37, we read about Joseph ended up in Egypt and was able to turn his plight into a haven for his family later on. So God works in our life to fulfill blessings. And out of our trials, he, can, he will and can deliver us. Christ said, I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So those of you who have faced some difficult times in your life or are facing it now, you know, can attest to that fact that God has and is blessing you with his love. Also trials, your faith in God is strengthened. Uh, we've been to 1 Peter, we'll go back there. Except to mention that we're to gird up the loins of our mind and be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So in, difficult, in facing difficult times, patience, of course, must have its perfect work because trials require patience. They require waiting and the belief that all things will work to good, uh, for good to them that love God. Everyone will have difficulty at some time. And in, you know, in most every epistle that we read from the disciples, from the apostles, we see the introduction uh, read like this, grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to the uh, closing chapter that I have uh, for you in this message here. It's in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 8. Let us who are of the day be sober putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us that whether we sleep or should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. 
Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward uh, all men. In, you know, I find myself at times also feeble-minded, you know, a little weak, more than weak perhaps. But if we let our imagination take control, it can, mislead, it can mislead us because our minds sometimes are feeble. It's not strong enough to withstand some of the difficulties we face. It might worry us and it might stifle our outlook. Uh, and, you know, that's when the mind uh, doesn't know the difference between a real event or something that's uh, imagined. So <clears throat> here's an experiment. Uh, you just sort of have to, uh, at this present time, just sort of relax and, you know, set up straight, be calm. And I want you to think about this little experiment here. And I want you to uh, look at this juicy lemon. You see the lemon, you know, you smell its, uh, the peel and how bitter it is. And, and then as you uh, peel the skin off of it and then you slice into it and little sprays of uh, liquid going everywhere and it's real juicy. And uh, you just look at it and you just bite right into it. Just sink your teeth into, his, into the juice. You've tasted, some of you have tasted lemons before. And if you're really thinking about this, do you realize your mouth is slowly filling with saliva? Your mind is reading your imagination. It doesn't know the difference between a real event or, uh, or something that's imagined. As a man thinketh, it says, so is he. So we are in charge of how we think, in charge of our thoughts. Therefore, you know, we have power to shape our lives. Like a captain on a, uh, a ship, he has the power to steer in any direction. And so we can allow our fleshly nature to influence us or through the spirit resist its pull. And so some of you may have been able to just not even think about the lemon. And so, you know, you were able to not let that affect you. So we are at the control to set the course, comfort the feeble-minded, to help them stay the course using the holy word of Christ in difficult times. Uh, back to verse 15. Uh, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Not just, you know, for ourselves, but remember others. And in this part about rejoicing, sometimes you see uh, on... Uh, I can't think of the title to the program, but they build houses for people, and then they send the people off to some little vacation spot, and then when they bring them back, they have this big bus that's blocking their view, and they say, move that bus. And when that bus moves, uh, the house that they were in is completely redone, completely remodeled, and beautiful, and sometimes they roll around on the ground, they have tears of joy, they cry, because out of sheer rejoicing, and joy, they see a new house. And, you know, when that time comes in which our corruptible body is changed, 
that that same rejoicing uh, will occur. And even in our difficult times, though it may be hard to see, uh, we rejoice. But pray without ceasing. In everything, verse 18, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. You know, don't, don't uh, neglect it. Don't, uh, it'll steer you right, but you have to let it. Don't despise prophes uh, prophesying. That's inspired speaking from the word of God and, you know, not necessarily the foretelling of, of the future. There are some people who, you know, despise prophesying. They despise hearing the word of God preached to them over and over, the same message week to week and so on. When that starts to uh, uh, get into your system, you may be ending up despising prophesying, inspired speaking. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that called you, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss or a hug or, or a handshake or, or, or a greeting, whatever the custom uh, might be. I charge you by the Lord, Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So in difficult times, now and ahead, don't lose hope. We will not be attempted above what we are able to endure, but it is through prayer and doing the Father's will that we may be able to escape those things that will shortly come to pass.